0: Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai, or living a life of purpose. Here you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai, and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and welcome to Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai and actually it is good morning to today's guest Yuta Hasumi who is currently in London in the UK in SW3 according to your web page is correct? Yes. <laughs> Very nice, uh, nice part of town. Yeah I'm in the evening here in Tokyo and I'm so glad that we managed to have this because Yuta's told me about his uh, his holiday plans. And I was like, oh no, I'm, and my eyes are running and I'm all sniffly. Maybe I've got some kind of allergies, hopefully not like that mysterious virus is going around. No fever, so I think I'm okay. But I'm so glad that we got this chance to talk today because I've known you, Yuta, for quite a few years, although you did move back, well, move to the UK in 2018. But we had kind of come across each other in various diversity and inclusion events around Tokyo. And we were just talking before we uh, started the recording of various mutual friends who've also been guests on this podcast. So David Sweet and Zane and Balin and Robin Lewis and who else do we have? Sarah Liu who recommended you. So yeah, our paths have crossed and I'm so glad that you are here to talk today. And Sarah is the reason that we are speaking. So Sarah was guest on episode three, four, and I wrote, I was looking, I was about episode maybe 15 of the podcast, and I looked at the guest list and I went, okay, got a lot of non-Japanese people talking about ikigai, that might be an issue. I've got a lot of women talking about ikigai, okay, that's quite good. But what is really glaringly obvious in my lineup is a lack of Japanese men. So this made me have think of two questions. So one is my own trusted circle, my own network not being diverse enough, and I don't have enough Japanese men like in my, which is crazy, living in Japan, so homework for myself. And then the other point was thinking, ah, is it that Japanese men aren't allowed to speak openly about their ikigai? And so when Sarah recommended you Yuta, and you know, your uh, diversity and inclusion consultancy running from the UK now is called Ikigai Authentic, I thought this this will work This will work very well. But before we get into that, perhaps you could tell me just a little bit about what you're doing now in the UK, about your business, about Ikigai Authentic. Uh, do a little introduction of yourself for the listeners.
1: Sure. Uh, thank you, Jennifer. Hello, everyone. I'm Yuta Hasmi. It's so... Great to be here with all of you. Jennifer made a really, really interesting point because we were talking about who, you know, I know from like Jennifer's YouTube speakers. You know, I'm one of the big fan of like her YouTube, uh, Jennifer. Then I was thinking, you know, we were chatting. Okay, I know Robin, I know Henry, and I know Dane. But, you know, all of them are men, you know, so probably you know my network is not diverse enough. So that's uh, so why you know I'm so delighted to share you know, my perspectives today as well. You know I'll do my best. Also, I really agree with you, Jennifer, because recently you know I have had lots of like a generation project, and so you know now companies are facing quite serious you know generational gap. So we are always discussing how to bridge the generational gap to unleash the generation, generational synergy. So at the time, you know, many data shows that, um, so, you know, generation Y, you know, quite, you know, um, millennial generation, uh, the very first generation to talk about openly, you know, our ikigai in public. You know, the previous generations like baby boomers and generation X are not so open about it. So it's also a really interesting topic, I think. And so my work is, uh, you know, I have my own company running like global like diversity and equity and inclusion consulting firm. So we are more like advising the companies how to embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion for business objectives. You know, my passion as my Ikigai as in, the, in my career, uh, more focused on uh, why diversity and inclusion matters to business. Mm.
0: And do you have a quick answer you can tell in case anybody wants to find out? I don't want to go into your whole program, but uh, why does it matter for you? What
1: drives you? Um, For the why DNI matters to business, this is probably more about my responsibility and mission. Because there are lots of great persons with mission, and so person uh, more like you know activists in the society to raise the awareness of diversity and inclusion. And also, I feel like oh, probably that's not my role, you know, I have passion about diversity and inclusion, but, you know, because my career, you know, I have been doing diversity and inclusion in business for the last 12 years, then I'm more comfortable to discuss how, you know, we can leverage our own diversity for like the business objectives. Then, you know, I can involve more people in the workplace with um diversity that more like the inclusion in the workplace then like i found myself oh you know this is the field you know i can more contributing to
0: yeah and of course your your company name is ikigai authentic that's right right so you're bringing together that authenticity that comes you know its ability to be authentic is a kind of hallmark of an inclusive organization or inclusive society along with the Ikigai and I love, I'm just gonna read this off your your website. Is it the mission? Is uh, creating workplaces worth working at and a society worth living in? A society that offers Ikigai. So tell me more about that. Like when will we know we are in this society that offers Ikigai?
1: Right, thank you for asking. So first my own Ikigai is to be authentic myself. And like my mission is to build a space for others where everyone is authentic and thriving and performing 100%. So when I was driving diversity and inclusion in the organization, I realized probably the goal and also direction of driving diversity in business is more about the organization, you know, where everyone can be authentic and so fully themselves without any restriction regardless of like our background, culture, gender, sexual orientation, or race. So that's why I thought, hmm, authenticity is uh, quite aligned with people's ikigai. That's why you know I took like the two words, ikigai and authentic in my company's name.
0: That's wonderful. It's kind of back to that that first point when I said maybe Japanese men aren't allowed to be (laughs) authentically talking about their ikigai. You know, what, what do you see happens to an individual? And this could be in your own personal story or things that you've noticed in your work. What do you see happens at the individual level? when people are able to be authentic, to express their ikigai, like how they want to be, how they want to show up in the world? What happens at the individual level?
1: I think, you know, especially the society in Japan has quite strong, like, peer pressure. You know, we always have to be treated like, you know, men should be in this way, and so women should be in that way, or Japanese, and non-Japanese. And so so I um You know, still um, growing, but day to day. But uh, I discovered my ikigai when I stopped stretching myself too much, and so kind of got out of the social that social pressure, because uh, I was grown up in my like traditional Japanese family, and so my father was a police officer, and so you know my mother was a housewife. So you know, I to the place where, you know, I was raised is more like, you know, men, it's a breadwinner. As a women, it's more like the house carer. Yeah, Home,
0: homemaker, housewife. Yeah, housewife. Yes. <laughs> it's like a professional housewife, right?
1: Yeah. And also, I was also educated like, um, okay, so you are a Japanese man. You know, you have to be like that. You shouldn't do that. then. At the time, I thought that that is more like the common sense, atarimae,
0: mm. but
1: just I couldn't be open to my parents, but uh, I was a little bit sceptical, like, hmm, is it right? You know, but uh, it's a little bit different from, you know, what I felt, but just, you know, I thought that we have to do that way. And so I, I have been following that.
0: Actually, you reminded me of a conversation I had with a uh, Dr. Akihiro Hasegawa who is an ikigai researcher here in Tokyo and in the sort of ikigai model that he works with and that's based on a lot of the work of uh, Kamiya Mieko he was talking about one of the sense of ikigai is that feeling of self-actualization and feeling of who you are and I think that's really aligned with what you're talking about like should I be like this and I see you nodding nodding so tell me what what's resonating there Yuta?
1: right i think it's really important to build our self-confidence and our self-esteem i completely agree with him because if we force ourselves to stay in the mainstream then we are losing our self-confidence eventually because that's not fully authentic because for example if you want to do A, but, you know, based on my cultural background, my gender uh, generation, everybody has to choose B. At the time, you know, a lot we have to force ourselves to lean on B. At the time, it's quite stressful, consciously or unconsciously. Then, like, you know, eventually we lose all, you know, I wish I could be A, but just we have to do B. So probably I also had experience to doubt myself. You know, I feel different from, you know, what other people think all the time. Then I feel like, am I, the, am I weird or like, am I strange? Then I lost a couple of my confidence.
0: Right. How did, you, how did you get over that then? How did you shift to realize uh, maybe you are weird and you are strange, but that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm sitting, that's right. that I am weird and I am strange, but that's okay. Um, it's
1: interesting. You know, I had a couple of uh, aha moments, but uh, basically I stopped uh, stretching myself too much and so sort of try to be myself. Then, for example, like in the workplace, you know, uh, before I tried to do something important to the society, but I realized I am not in that phase yet. So now I am more focused on to influence and support and advise the communities and organizations and the people around me to be the better place for them to be fully authentic themselves. This is much more my motivation rather than you know always focusing on doing something big got it
0: so and also maybe you know on your website you use the the ikigai venn diagram and it's sort of thinking as well about like using your strengths and what you're good at so not everyone is built to be an activist i'm not built to be an activist but i can use my experience working in corporate to talk to people in like i know what it's like and i think you've also had um the the similar experience right because you were in big corporate for how long
1: i have been driving dna i in the corporation for seven years
0: seven years right so you're enough of an insider that if you go to a blue chip company you can talk about your experiences and it feels like okay you kind of understands the reality of what we're dealing with our internal politics and our stakeholders and all the daily pressures not just kind of coming in saying well that's not how you should do things
1: yeah you know I agree with you um you know every company has different culture and so different politics and so you know different people so it's really important to admit it and then that's why you know I personally don't like telling more like the, you know, what they should do, because then sometimes it's perceived as kind of social justice, then that switch of people's mindset to change. Like, because like, you know, there are not so many people trying to be bad, you know, everybody is doing the right things, you know, in belief. That's why people don't like to be told, I don't like to be told, you know, you are wrong or like you shouldn't do that. So that's why, you know, my approach is more to showcase, you know, how we can leverage our own difference and strengths for more like the business reasons, you know, what we have been doing day to day. Then, you know, people realize, huh. like different perspectives, different opinions, different way of thinking would work better for our responsibility in the workplace. Then, like you know, I feel more comfortable to follow that approach rather than you know, okay, we have to have diversity and inclusion.
0: Yeah, to really to help people to understand the business imperative and, and all of that other kind of discussion piece as well. Um, But obviously, there came a point where you decided to leave corporate and set up your own business. I'm always very careful to not make all of my guests on this podcast be people who have left corporate and then have set up their own business and running small businesses or large businesses. Because I believe that, you know, Ikigai is showing up for us in many different ways in our lives. But that's one of the things that you did presumably for a connection to your own ikigai and how you wanted to live your life. So what's that transition been like? That was 2018. Where are you now in that mission? So
1: I left the corporation when I moved to the UK. At some time, I felt I took the big risk. Then after moving to the UK, honestly, I was looking for jobs in the market. But I couldn't find the right role for myself because uh, at the time, it's really great, great time for me to think what I really want to do. It's not necessarily aligned with what is available in the job market. So I have been quite struggling for six months. Then at the time, you know, I talked to many people in my own network, you know, what I should do. And at the time, I really, really appreciate my friends and also for my colleagues, like that, tell, asking me, like, hey, you know, if you have lots of free time, why don't you do this one? You know, why don't you help me with the project? Then, you know, I started working with many corporations, with many, many of my colleagues and the friends about, you know, more like the helping like their organization to develop the inclusive HR policies and also like deliver like some, like the other the other workshop, then it's getting closer to the full time Then I think, oh, this is really great to work with, you know, many stakeholders, you know, many of my friends, many corporations, then I feel more fulfilled to kind of align myself with my own ikigai So then, you know, I decided to build my own company. Then now, here I am.
0: (laughs) You are. Oh, I love that. That's just like such an organic story, right? It wasn't the big, like, I'm going to move to the UK and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to start this business and this is what it's going to be. It was like reality of looking at the job market. I mean, so it was clear that you had an idea of what it was you wanted to do. And then you look around and go, these opportunities don't exist. So, and then people, you know, trusted people, like keeping up that network, talking to people about what it is. And then I think what I I, I took away from what you were taking, and maybe I, what well, you said, maybe I read too much into it, but it's going, you know what, you're really good at this and you have this skill set. Can you help me? And maybe you weren't always aware that that was like a marketable <laughs> skill set that you could do on like a project basis or something like that as well. So, friends and people around you can kind of shine a light on that skill set and make you go oh is that something the world needs Hmm. it's so easy for me to do these things for example right right i didn't realize people struggled with that sure i can help you with that
1: yeah you are definitely right Uh, this is also about my principle as well like my principle is Honesty over niceness. So, you know, when I. Honesty
0: over niceness, tell me more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, probably it's not necessarily nice, but just, you know, I'm always honest. So, for example, like that six months, you know, many, many people helped me. On the other hand, many, many, many people left me. At that time, you know, it's really great finding that, you know, I have been working with my, you know, company's name. You know, I worked, I worked before. So this time, okay. So also the title, like you know, I I was head of diversity and inclusion with a big well-known organization. Then they said, oh, you know, like I want to work with you. You know, I want to be a friend with you. And but just all all that kind of people left, left me. Also sometimes. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm very honest, that's why, you know, I am good at uh, providing solutions, but uh, probably I'm not the best person to just show always like sympathy with people. You know, when people approach, approach me to ask for advice, I always try to, you know, do best, the best I can, I can do. But there are some people, you know, who just wanna hear, you know, something nice. Then at the time, you know, I am always honest. Then like people don't necessarily, everybody don't necessarily appreciate it. Then, you know, many people said, oh, you know, that's not what I expected from you. I just want you to listen to me. And I said, at the time, I really apologize because I didn't meet the expectation. But just at the same time, my principle is more like, I have to be honest to people I care for and then rather than you know always being nice you know this is also kind of you know the principle i've developed during that transition
0: right i think that's that's your authenticity showing through right that right. well i'm not just here to listen i'm not just here because me me showing up is as a as a problem solver you brought this to me so i'm going to tell you what i really think i also think that's a really useful concept what you shared for listeners and viewers who are thinking of making changes and I think that's a really interesting but also quite heartbreaking but also very true <laughs> realization. So so be ready that if your identity is very much tied up, you might not realize your identity is so much tied up in that that corporation or in that particular role. Um, and so what you thought those relationships with people was based on was actually not authentic it's it's, it's a hard, I'm sort of like hearing myself speak it. it's really heartbreaking but um, maybe your experience you to the raising that is going to help people who go through some some uh, transition in their identity in the next after listening to this uh, this podcast yeah was there anything you think you could do or you would advise someone like how to hack that recovery because i feel like that could be really painful
1: right so i would say um, it was also a very good opportunity for me to be selfish and uh, pose, uh, worrying about what other people think. because I realized I was so dragged into, I you know what other people perceive about myself, which is out of control. Because, you know, when we start trying to please people all the time, sometimes we try to be nice to them. Also, you know, other people have emotion, you know, they have been up and down. So if they're in the up phase, you know, it's easy to please them. But if they're struggling with something, then I try to please them, you know. Sometimes it doesn't work because, you know, we cannot change people. We cannot control people's emotions. So that's that's how I'm, you know, I centralized myself. Then, uh, okay, so probably I should focus more on myself, you know, what I want to do, who I want to be with, and so where I want to go. Then, you know, as you said, you know, it hurt, but just at the time i could become more honest then uh, in the end i feel more fulfilled in the life mm.
0: yeah so many things are coming into my mind as, as you're saying this and i'm thinking about you know sometimes people say oh like you know focusing on yourself and um you know focusing on your own ikigai and like what makes you happy what makes you feel authentic is is really selfish and how does that jive with Japanese culture? Because I thought Japanese culture was all about, like, you know, being part of the group and focusing on the group. Do you have any thoughts on on that? Right,
1: that's very true. So I think the boundary of D and I could be stretched out to the other people's boundary. You know, if you start interfering, or like, you know the invading in other people's boundary or like personal space, that's a limit. So, you know, that, that's my experience. Probably I, we could, you know, stretch out to be ourselves unless, you know, we are not interfering other people's boundary or like comfort. But in Japan, because of the kind of strong like social pressure, we don't realize. And so we try to live in the quite narrow you know personal boundary That's why you know it's quite difficult to to align with where or like what we wish we could be also it's really okay to admit you know we are strained. also you know we are always part of minority depending on the mm. communities
0: yeah and I think that's like what sometimes strikes me you know in the in the coaching work that I do and I'm sure it comes up in in your workshops as well like how many people just feel so constrained feel always weird and that actually so many people feel weird feel like they're the only one and then as soon as you even like put a little tiny bit of like the lid comes off and many people are like I feel the same I felt like that too, I understand you. And it's just like, why do we not show this more? Why can't we talk about that? And um, so I I feel, especially like what you shared about, uh, you know, the Japan perspective, wouldn't it be nice if everyone just stretched out a little bit more, you know, took up a little bit more space. I think it's beautiful in Japan that people really do care about making other people comfortably. I think it's it's fabulous, but it also has a, a negative impact on mental health and yeah people's ability to feel icky icky <laughs> every day
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: from the icky icky part of ikigai
1: that's right yeah you know um, Japan is a beautiful country you know I love where I am I am from them so you know I couldn't be me today without my parents education like you know they told me very very well how to appreciate uh, people and so their gestures and so occasion, also how to be accountable for you know what whatever I have been committed to. So this is also kind of beauty of Japan. So you know, being myself doesn't mean you know I I deny you know, what I learned. So you know, based on that, for example, in in the UK, you know, people really appreciate me, you know, caring about others as well. And so they they perceive that one as kind of Japan's DNA. Uh, so, you know, like more like the attention to detail and uh, try to redo people's expectation. So that's it's not something everybody is equipped mm. in the world.
0: Yeah. So sort of have gratitude for that experience. And, and, it, and anyway, it is what it is. It's how you were raised. And you know, take the and same for me, coming coming from the country that you, you are now in now, um, there are there are parts of me that maybe will be unchanging. I'm not sure, maybe stiff up a <laughs> lip for <laughs> the British liking to talk to people at bus stops. That's not changed. I get more strange looks about it. I said it's totally not on the topic of, but if you could say something that you see in like the you know, the British DNA, I, I really hate this question when people ask me about it in Japan, so I'm kind of now embarrassed that I've asked it, but like, what, is there anything that you notice that you go, oh, if like attention to detail is like a Japanese DNA and caring for the people is Japanese DNA, do you have any observances from your time in the UK? Um,
1: so how would you answer when people ask you what the British DNA was?
0: Do you know what? That's actually, scratch this question because I was on some for David Sweet's podcast and every question he asked like, don't make me answer questions like this. I hate answering questions like that. I really don't like having to choose. I hate having to be like, I'm basically saying, please be the token Japanese person, uh, you know, telling me about the UK. All you can talk about is your experiences. So now my learning is, I hate it when people ask this question to me, so I'm not going to ask it to you. <laughs> Great consulting that, Yuta. He wasn't nice. Did you notice everyone? He was just honest.
1: Right. <laughs> How would you answer this
0: question? Let me ask another question, which I always have on my board, which was from um, Matthew Doms, who was a previous guest as well. And he said, The question you should ask is What's the question I should have asked you? So, what's a question I haven't asked you yet, Yuta, that you would like me to ask you? And then you can answer. It's a very lazy podcaster's trick. Oh.
1: <laughs> that's a very interesting question <laughs> well I, I think like i really like that um, yeah. so maybe like one of the question what has been difficult for me about integrating my ikigai
0: yuta what has been difficult for you about integrating your ikigai please tell me
1: <laughs> thank you for articulating so um,
0: smooth so smooth great great interview Quite,
1: um, it has been difficult to admit who I am because I always, you know, I raise my bar because I try to do my best. Then I wish that all the time reflecting myself after the project, after something, I, I wish always I could be better, but uh, because I have been making the, an effort, but uh, I could not usually leads to the level I initially wanted. So that's why it's more like the baby steps for me to like, please myself, <laughs> like praise myself and admire myself. Okay, so you couldn't hit the bat, but just, you did that, you, you didn't do that. So yeah, you know, I achieved something. So then I try to build my self-esteem. Also, I don't like making an excuses and blaming someone else, but just you know, I always go back to the initial thought, which is, you know, I always feel, you know, I am I am a minority to you know most of the communities. So this fundamental feeling keeps motivating me to do my, my job. Because um, so there are many occasions, you know, when my observation was right, but not heard. At the time, you know, it was demotivating, but, you know, but I also talked to myself, you know, I shouldn't believe, you know, my voice, voice is always heard. At the time, it's for the, it's kind of reflection and also the lesson for the you know, next project, you know what I can do better how I can do something to for my voice to be heard better what
0: what types of things did you do to like overcome that to get that feeling that now I love that like I was right I know I was right but I wasn't heard how did you take those maybe it's hard because there were such incremental baby steps but was there something I'm just you know for listeners can go oh, I'm gonna try this because I understand like what Yuta is saying I'm the same I'm in meetings I have these great ideas and I was right and I wasn't listened to and, and for some people they can just be like okay I'm I'm not playing anymore I'm not going to raise my voice because it's a waste of time so I'm just going to do the minimum but I think you know that Yuta when you think about ikigai, my understanding of Ikigai Authentic's like mission is that those voices get heard. Of course, there are the people with privilege, like what they can do, maybe you have some advice for them, but also for the people who are in those, uh, you know, maybe minority groups or just minority opinion, the unpopular voice, like what can they do to be heard and not give up, especially because they're right.
1: Have you ever had a similar experience before?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time.
1: I think like everybody has.
0: Yeah, it's very relatable.
1: Yeah. You know, if I may advise for the people who has privilege, I think we have to proactively uh, demonstrate inclusion. So, which means, um, having said that, so everybody's biased. I am biased too. At the time, uh, so before I realized, you know, who I am giving more eye contact to then, you know, I easily can give eye contact to the people I know, like probably in the meeting, if I find you, Jennifer, you know, I am so comfortable talking to you, then other people might think, oh, like, you know, he, he likes Jennifer, discussing with Jennifer, that's why, but like, you know, he might not like me, then at some the time, you know, it's quite unconscious, but just I'm talking to you because you know I'm more, I feel more confident, comfortable to make a presentation in that meeting.
0: So that's why- Right, and I'm sitting there nodding yeah. and yeah, so it becomes this virtuous or perhaps vicious right. cycle, right?
1: That's why my advice at the first step is to give eye contact to people you are not comfortable to look at. So then, you know, I think, you know, people, we can, demonstrate our inclusive leadership, like inclusion to everyone. You know, everyone, everyone, everybody feels, oh, you know, my voice is heard. And so I got attention from the speakers. Then the people who feel frustrated, you know, their voice is not heard. Um, My advice is, is to personally you know, not to blame ourselves. Like, um, you know, sometimes, know we feel frustrated and so i was there but just in the beginning i felt oh you know my voice was not heard because my opinion is not great enough or you know the way i present was not so efficient probably you know to do a bit but just um it's not the only case so we also have to you know we stop like blaming ourselves but like you know so we improve what we can do better, but just also we could to realize that's it's a reality. So we try something different to you know speak up. That was my advice. Right?
0: Yeah. Like so, don't take all the personal blame on yourself. Right? That it's about something which is wrong with you or like how you've delivered your opinion. I think that's a great piece of advice because I see a lot of people who are minorities and not actually minorities but their opinions and their perspectives on the world are not like in the dominant group so they feel oh it's because of like my presentation skills or I'm not assertive enough or I can't you know talk this right language of business but that doesn't mean that your opinion is not valid.
1: Yeah, right? that's right. And it
0: doesn't mean that your opinion is not useful and not impactful. So don't stop that belief in yourself, is kind of what I'm taking away. Mm-hmm. And I love what you've said as well, like, as a really practical thing to just make eye contact with different people. It's a little bit difficult on Zoom, uh, but <laughs> when, you know, using different people's names or asking for different people, and it, re- it reminded me when I came back from my second childcare leave. And our company had done huge hiring and lots of acquisitions during that time. And I just looked around the room and I felt like so isolated, so alone. I was like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know who I am. And of course this was uh, you know, seven years ago. So, so it's a different times, but I was able, I just said, okay, I'm gonna network internally. And I picked three random people and invited them for lunch. And then at the end of that lunch, I said, who should I invite for lunch? Please, each of you give me a name. And then it like got me around the organization. But the interesting thing was many people said, oh, like I've never talked to anyone outside of my team. I didn't know this person because I was brave. I don't know, to be be vulnerable and say, um, I'm just going to invite really random people from this company to lunch with me. I was actually able to like bring other people together. So maybe that's something about also use my privilege because it wasn't such a brave thing for me to do because I like going for lunch with strangers. It's good
1: food. Yeah, right.
0: And, you know, maybe you have a nice conversation, maybe you don't. But um, I was solving my problem for myself. But through that also like creating expansion for other people who were able to meet other people in the organization. So it's like what we were talking before, like how many people are like, Living very small and struggling with the same issue, and until one person says, "Actually, I don't. I feel the same way. I don't know anyone either." Thanks for setting it up.
1: Yeah, I really admire you. You know, it's, you are very, very proactively connecting with people at that time. You know, this is not something that anybody yeah. can do yeah. easily.
0: So it's back to back to those skill sets we were talking about before. What are the things that you do, you know, naturally and well, and maybe for someone else, it's it's a big deal. Right. So I know we're coming to the end of our time together and I've already asked my secret question of what's the question I should have asked you, but do you have any final message for the listeners of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai? Anything you want to share as a takeaway for people who want to live more authentically or bring more authenticity into their company as well?
1: All right. First, I, you know, thank you for having me. You know, it was very, very pleasant to chat with you like this. And I hope like people enjoy. So, if I may, um, my advice how to be authentic is, and also with ikigai is that you know first, um, you think you know what privilege we have. Of course, um, you know there are many people struggling with the situations at this moment, but just you know, everybody has you know our own privilege. So, at this time, you know, which give us more confident and confidence and uh, a uh, self-esteem as well so privilege is one of the, one of the things, thing like you know, one of our strengths as well also the other one is to realize we are always a minority depending on the communities and a group and a society at this time stop you know blaming ourselves uh, more so we accept who we are then Also, like I said before, just first be selfish and also stop worrying about what other people think. Then we realize, you know, we can eventually cultivate, you know, our mission and the Ikigai. This is my advice.
0: Love it. Love it. I have i uh, I'm working with a coach at the moment and, uh, you know, talking about like stop caring about what other people think. And uh, his name's Jim Fortin. And he just says, you know, everyone is going to judge you. Yeah. Everyone is always going to judge definitely. you. Definitely. So you can hold yourself back. And as you said, like, you know, make yourself smaller, fit into these boxes, mm-hmm. or you can just go and live your life. Yeah, definitely. Because they're going to judge you anyway. You're going to judge you in the box, they're going to judge you out of the box. So yeah, I'm getting goosebumps, so it must be true. Um, That's like the icky, icky part of icky guy is just just go out there and do it because you'll, as you said, right, you judge if you do, you're judged if you don't. I work for a big corporate. I work for myself. People like all these different things. You live in Japan, you don't live in Japan. Whatever you do, everyone's going to judge you. How much do you want to care about that and let that hold you? So our time here is fleeting and short
1: yeah i like that because then like you know, their judgment is out of our
0: control so i love it let's uh let's live ikigai authentic lives i'm uh, i'm excited i'm excited for what's coming up and i'm very excited for your holiday as well yuta so i hope that you get all of your work finished thank you for making the time to uh chat with me today well, thank you too Thank you for being a regular listener. It was so lovely to hear like, oh, I listened to this one and this one and this one. So uh, it's it's great to know.
1: You know, I feel always positive when I'm listening to your channel.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, there you go. It doesn't come better testimonial than that for a listener to become a guest and um, inspire other people as well. So I hope everyone had a great time listening to Yuta's story and um, all his website and everything will be in the show notes below. And maybe we'll link to some of the other his favorite episodes that he was talking about as well. So thank you so much, Yuta. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you soon. See you soon. Thank you.
1: Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.